And um, as Mike said, we've been in this series, um, How to Be Rich. And so I was just going to start off that. Good morning, all you rich people. <laughs> and if you're sitting there going, you don't know me, I'm not rich, well, just go back and listen to some of the things we've, we've talked about these last few weeks. The first thing we did, we just talked about that we have to be aware of how rich we are. And then we got to be wise with our riches because it can be, we can have a tendency to put our trust in them instead of God, and that can just cause havoc in our own hearts. And, and then we talked about how you got to be careful because riches are the greatest competitor for your heart. The Bible just makes it really clear. We have competition with God. And usually it's money that's the biggest competition. So we got to be really careful when we're actually blessed with financial riches. And then we talked about how you got to be trustworthy. Um, If you're going to really use your money, people know how to invest their money wisely in the world. And Jesus just said, hey, you guys should really be wise with how you invest your money too. Be trustworthy with what I've given you and invest in people. Because that is really the only long-term investment that's going to last. And then last week, Steve Andrews was here, and he told us that if you're rich, you should be grateful. And we just talked about how unbelievably rich we are. And that's been what we've been talking about, not just financially rich, because then you're free to do what you want to do, but that you are spiritually rich, that God, through Jesus Christ, has made us bazillionaires in our soul. And we're trying to figure out how do we actually bring those two things together. So, you guys, when we're spiritually rich, just, just we got to remember, that means the scriptures have told us that we have every spiritual blessing, that we have everything that we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him. And that actually is what our inheritance is. We found out the reason we're so rich is because through Christ and what he's done for us, he reconciled us back to God. And God, now, once you put your faith in Christ, he actually puts his very spirit, we're spiritually rich, because his spirit is now living inside of you, and now you're finally free. You have a power inside of you you didn't have before to do what God wants you to do. And if you're doing what God wants you to do, you guys, you are living the life that you were created to live. And that's rich, that's deep, and that's powerful. Now, here's the interesting thing about financial riches. Financial, if you have financial riches, they provide opportunities, don't they? I mean, that's what they do. They, they give you opportunities that you didn't have before. I was just thinking, they open up doors, we say. It's like all of a sudden, a door has been opened that wasn't there before. And so what's true is, before you have a certain amount of financial riches, you can literally say, I just, I just can't do that. I know it's out there. There's something that actually is there But I can't personally experience that because I don't have the financial means to be able to do that. And therefore, I'm not experiencing it. And so you can have, and then as soon as the riches come, now all of a sudden you can say, hey, I can. I can do that now. So that that happened for uh, Susie and I. When I first met Susie, her, her father had just passed away about a year, right, before we had met. And then her grandma, her dad's mom, passed away shortly after that. And what was interesting is her grandmother lived up in Minnesota and was unbelievably frugal. (laughs) Like, just had, you you would think that she didn't have any means at all, and she just lived, I mean, just tight with with her stuff. And um, after her son died, she actually had to dive in, and they needed to find out what her financial reality was. So Susie's brother's really sharp in that, and he dug in. And he came back... And he looked at his family, Susie and her mom and brother, and said, um, you guys, Grandma is a millionaire. 
She was a millionaire. You know how she became a millionaire? She made doilies. You guys know what doilies are? <laughs> she became a millionaire because she made doilies and she sold them. And then everything she had, she just kept going. And here's what the crazy thing is. She had no idea that she had those riches. So she lived her whole life with no awareness that she was rich. And so as I asked Susie, I said, so do you think she would have lived differently? And, you know, she said probably the only thing that would have changed is she would have taken care of her dad more. She would have been more generous if she was even aware of the riches that she had. Is that not amazing? And so here's what happened when she passed away. Then those finances got split up between uh, their family. And then I married into the family. Once I found out, you know. <laughs> no, but what, what was crazy was I was 33 years old, and I've been a pastor my whole life. I, I had never owned a home at all. You know, I've always lived in apartments. I've roomed with different guys. And so when, you, when we got married, um, I, just, I didn't have any means. The opportunity to be able to be a home was not even in my thought. But then, all of a sudden, because of her grandma who was rich, and I being an heir, because I married into the family, we had finances. And I, this is honest, this morning I was sitting in my house and I was just looking around and I go, you know, the only reason we're living in this house is because somebody made me rich. It's unbelievable. It opened a door. It opened possibilities where we could have. And so finances do that. They open possibilities. They open doors for us. And you guys, spiritual riches do the exact same thing. But spiritual riches, man, they, they provide supernatural opportunities. And I was thinking that's what happens too is when you become spiritually rich, what happened was the door got opened to heaven, literally. And now all of a sudden, there's a relationship that can have spiritual power can come into your life. And so in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is saying this. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. And at the beginning of this Bible, at the beginning of this book, he talks to different churches. And this is the church of Laodicea. <clears throat> and in it, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Isn't that cool? If anybody will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. And he says, and I'll come in and I'll eat with that person and they'll eat with me. And that, that might not mean much to us, although we have fellowship when we eat. But in that culture, if you came into someone's home and you ate, that meant there was real friendship going on. There was real fellowship going on. So Jesus here is saying, spiritually, you guys, I stand and I knock at your door. And if you just open the door, there's opportunity. There's spiritual richness. And the spiritual richness is I am going to come in. And I'm going to be inside your very being, inside your soul, your heart, your mind, inside your life. And you guys, and that's it. That's it. That's what spiritual richness is. It's a life lived with God. It's a life lived with Jesus where he's inside of you. And the cool thing is, it is supernatural. If you're living with God, and then it, it, a life lived with God is holy. It's, it's different. It's It's loving. It's a, and it's a love that you receive from him that bears no conditions, that you know God loves you no matter what you are. So now you have supernatural love that was poured into your heart so you can give that 
to the rest of this world who needs it so bad so you can invest in your marriage and in your kids in a supernatural way, not in a conditional human way anymore. God's way, it's just good. I, I have this list. I, I, just, I could go down forever. But when you walk with God, his, his life is good. He's good. He's productive. He's, he, he impacts things. He's fruitful. And the last thing is, if you're really living with God, you're free. I mean, you're just, you're just free. It's just, this is, it's awesome in its spiritual life. And so and, and as God keeps going on, really what he's saying is, there's, there is a way to live in a victorious life with me. And so as he goes on in Revelations, the next verse, he says this. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and I sat down with my father on his throne. And I just, you know, what we're going to talk about a little bit today is I just want you to start thinking about your heart and your life. And do you feel like you're living a victorious life? Is that how you're feeling? Do you feel like you're living a life with God? where there's something actually supernatural going on inside of you, where there's freedom and love and purpose and peace, all the stuff that he says. See, and, and, and I'm, so what happened was back in December, I just sat down to have my time with God. And I read a story in 1 Samuel. And before I read this story, I just want to say real quick, if you're here today and you're wondering about God, and if you're checking out Christianity, if this is not something you've totally invested in, but you're wondering, could there be some reality to this whole Jesus thing? I, I just want to encourage you, um, today, the message is really not for you, okay? We're going to have a family chat. You all ready? All you followers of Jesus, all you children, we're just going to have a family chat here today. But I, I think that possibly one of the reasons, if you aren't following Jesus, there could be tons of reasons. But one reason might be is that you might hear about how great he is, but you don't really experience that with people who say they follow him. And so where's this life, you know, that you say is available? Because all the people I know who actually follow Jesus, they don't look like that. And that can actually be a deterrent to your faith. And for those of us who follow him, do you, does anybody who follows him ever get frustrated with how you follow him? All right, okay. I read the scripture. I stand before you. We gather together, and we talk about this amazing life that we have because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and he, because he died for our sins and because he now lives inside of us. And yet, why aren't we experiencing it? That's what I want to look at today. So in 1 Samuel, I'm reading along, and I get to chapter 2. In Israel, they're God's chosen people, just like we learned last year. God chose us, which is so cool. And Israel was chosen, and his presence was with them. But then I get to chapter 2, and there's these priests. So Eli's the main priest, and he has these two sons. And their names are Hophni and Phinehas. And let me just give you a few of the descriptions of Hophni and Phinehas. You don't need to put that up there yet, please. Um, Hophni and Phinehas, they were scoundrels. They were wicked. They showed contempt toward all of God's instructions that they were supposed to actually be doing with the sacrifices. They had sex with the women who served at the entrance. So that basically be any of the women who are here serving at K2, the church. I'm serious. This is how ridiculous this is. 
Because you need to understand, as people entered into this Holy of Holies, these guys, Hophni and Phinehas, were the ones who were supposed to be the guardian, the priest, the, the conduit between God and men. And they're sleeping with the women who work in the church. They're totally disgracing. They have absolute contempt for all of God's sacrifices. So basically what the Bible just says in these passages is they were just sinning against God like big time. And in God's sight, their sin was really serious. And it was great. So then what happens, I, I go two chapters later and I get to chapter 4. And uh, in chapter 4, they go out to battle the Philistines, which if you read the Bible, Israelites battle the Philistines a lot. And in this case, they go out to battle and they lose. And after they lose, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. what's up with that? And so there's a, we, we should be winning. Where, where was God? And so after they lose the battle, they go, we need God. That's, that's the problem. We need God's presence. Didn't you guys ever do that? Any of you go like losing the battle? And so then you go, man, God, come on, help, right? That's what they were doing. God, please help us. In fact, the, the scripture says, why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So basically, you know what they were saying? Open the door. Jesus, come in. Come in and help us. Well, now go up and put this verse. I get to verse 4, and I read this. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And I don't know what happens to you when you read that verse, but when I read that verse, I can't, it, it, right down here, like right here, in my gut, I, there was this weird chuckle. Like, I found myself just laughing, but it wasn't a funny chuckle. But it was a chuckle. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now, wait a second here. So you guys just lost a battle, and you realize you need the presence of God. So you go, and you get the presence of God, and you bring it in the battle. And then you go, hey, let's have the dudes that sleep with all the women at the front of the church and who totally have complete contempt for God's sacrifices stand next to the ark. Anybody see something weird about that? So when I read that verse, I just thought, are you, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? They're in battle and they need God's presence. And they tell, call the two guys who have absolute contempt for God and who live in ways completely opposite to him. They're geeked, man. They go into battle because God's presence is with them. You know what happens? They lose. In fact, they lose worse than they lost the first time. And I read that, and all of a sudden, I just felt like God kind of put a heaviness on my heart. Because we read those as stories that happened a long time ago, right? Those weren't just stories that happened a long time ago. People lived out the defeat of that battle. This is real. And we, you and me, we're living out the defeats in our own lives. So I wanted just to take a moment here before I finish this teaching. What do we do with this story in the Bible? I want us just to make remember that this actually happened to real people. So we're just going to kind of take you away from the biblical story into the heart of someone. 
who maybe went through this. So let's watch this together. Thank you. No. Please, no. I am numb and, and so tired. The nightmares come every night. The children, they're okay. They play. They're used to me being like this. How long has it been now? A year? How strange to see their lives simply go on. My children have had so little of me this year. It began as the year of my mother's death. I had just finished grieving and had turned back to care for them. But the year of her death became the year of my brother's death, the year of my father's death, the year of my husband's death. It was the year that the glory of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, left us. The sin of our people has ruined my life and the lives of my children. The lives of an entire nation have been wasted because a few men made a mockery of God. It began with our priests. Maybe we simply saw it in them first, blind to our own departures. But who can remember the ways of our priests without disgust? In my shame, I remember them. Do you? Eli, perhaps, was faithful. But his sons, his sons did not know God. And what they knew, they treated with disregard. They took his words lightly. They took his presence for granted. And now I sit in the dust paying a heavy price for their choices. Mercy. Remember. Do you remember how it happened? Oh, I remember losing to the Philistines. Sitting with my love, giving him food and cleaning his wounds and wondering why. Why we didn't have the strength to stand. Our God, who helps us and go before us, why he didn't give us victory. They all agree we simply needed his presence. And so they decided to carry the ark into battle. We could hear the cheers rise up in the camp as it arrived. The enemy could hear it too, and they were afraid 
You see, the enemy knows just how great our God is. They heard and they trembled. Oh, that we too would have trembled before him. Our men ran confidently into battle. And yet we lost. Again. 30,000 men in one day. My brothers died. My father died. And my, my husband. And the enemy carried away the ark, the glory of Israel. Maybe before we lost the ark, we had lost his favor. When we stopped worshiping him alone, when our priests began to mock God, now we mourn the consequence of our sin. We were the departed ones. How did we not notice? How did we not notice? For I ask you, who could have stood on that day clean and pure and worthy, guarding the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God of Israel? Could you? I could not. I had my own little idol. Now it is all I have, this little bronze substitute. We all had them, actually. But we assumed that we were okay with God and he was okay with us because of the blood of lamb and goats. He never really wanted our sacrifices. Now I see. What he really wanted was our hearts, our love, and our trust. And why could we not trust him? Now the lives of my children and I will never be the same. We have sown lives of walking apart from God. And now we reap what we have sown. Separation from him. That's not what I wanted. Mercy. Oh God, please have mercy. My days are long and there are so many ahead of me. I need you. I really, really need you. I want you back. Will you take me back?
So you guys, here's, here's what we need to remember today. Every decision that you and I make does not just affect your life. It does. Every decision you make affects everybody in your circle of influence. It just does. And what's crazy is it even affects our relationship with God. God is not distant. He is intimately involved in our lives. And so, and I love that line, and all he wants, all God is saying is, I don't, the religious stuff you do is fine. He goes, but what I really want is just your heart. I just want your love. I just want you to trust me. I want you to act like the rich person that you really are. And so, what we're going to do here is I'm going to give you a couple minutes. And I just want to give you a chance just to engage with God. Just you and him. Because as it said here, the days are long and there are many more ahead. You guys know that? I mean, maybe. We don't ever know. But the possibility is the days are long and there's many more ahead for us. And you have a chance today. We want to offer you today the chance to decide what are the rest of these days going to be like? And here's the cool thing with God. If you engage with him, he's totally holy, but he is totally full of mercy. So when you walked in today, you were given a card. And we're going to use this right now if you want to pull that out and grab a pen. And um, we're actually going to use this card later in the service as well today. But here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you with this card, have you opened, have you opened the door to Jesus? And when he's knocked on your heart, have you... Have you come to that point where you've just said, you know what, man, I, I hear you and come on in. And even if you have, the question today is, though, but have you closed the door? Are there some areas in your life where you're just like, you know, I'm going to close this door. Jesus, it's almost like I've heard it said that like your heart can be like a house and you have these different rooms in it. And you have certain rooms where it's like, hey, Jesus, come on in here, but uh, don't come in here. And you can close him off to certain parts of your life. Have you asked God to leave because of the way you're living and because you just know, I know God's not going to be involved in this. And I just want to remember that, remember, he is our inheritance. So anytime we do stuff in our life that God can't be involved in, it causes a brokenness in our relationship with him. And we sit there and we go, why am I not experiencing victory? Why am I not experiencing the fullness of God? And one of the reasons can simply be because there's some stuff in your life that just needs to be addressed with God. So I'm going to give you two minutes right now. I'm just going to put on some music. And you guys can just sit there and just, this is just between you and him. And just write down, if there's anything that comes to your mind that you know right now is something that's in your life, go ahead and play the music. Anything that's in your life, anything that's in your heart, Anything that you know is just like, could this possibly be? Is this something that God's been whispering to me? Have you heard his voice? And just take it and just write it down in that card. And we'll give you a couple minutes and I'll be back. Hey, can I just pray for you? I'm going to pray before we jump in. You know why? <laughs> I was just standing there. 
and just was praying, and I'm just saying, man, God, please just help me these next 20 minutes. Help me, please, just to say what you want to say. And, um, and one of the things I usually try to do while I'm up here is just ask God, would you just give me your heart for everybody who's out there? <laughs> and just help me to see everybody the way you see them. And as soon as I prayed that while I was standing there, all I could feel was this huge amount of love for you. No, 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 it's not me. It's not what it's about. What I'm saying is, when I thought, God, would you give me your heart for these people, I felt like he just flooded me. I want you to know, man, he so loves you. Oh, you have no idea. Let's pray. God, have your way. Have your way. And I just pray right now that the power of the Holy Spirit that we love to talk about, that we believe in, that you would come now. And this would be real engagement with the living God. Thank you, God, for being so crazy about us and for loving us so deeply. Come and do what only you can do right now in the heart of every person who showed up today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, so, so here's what's weird. The Bible tells us that all Scripture, everything that's in the Bible, is useful. And it's useful to teach, to rebuke, to, to correct, and to train in righteousness, in, in what's right. And so I just want to tell you, so here's what happened. I, I read that passage, and I sat down. I had my own engagement with God, and, I just, and he dealt with me about my junk. And then I felt like he said, and Dave, I need you someday to share this with my church and the people I love because, you guys, I just feel like what he was saying to me is, is there's, there's a lot of people at K2 who want my victory in their life. They really do. They want my blessing. They want to experience the life that I have for them that you talk about all the time. But what's happening is they want the victory, but at the same time, they're living in sin. And they shut the door. It's not that I'm not here. I, man, I love you, but you've shut the door. And he goes, you got to give them a chance to open the door again. And to get rid of this stuff that's been keeping the victory from happening. So that's, that's all we're doing here today. And I want to tell you, man, this can be difficult to understand. I have wrestled with this message a lot with, with my wife and with other people. I've called people to say, help me to understand this. Because the grace of this message can actually be really hard to receive, okay? So let me try to explain this as we walk down. I'm going to tell you about how this grace is working right now in our hearts. First of all, you've got to remember that you're saved by what? Grace. grace. How, 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 how hard did you work to get saved? Yeah, nothing. You did nothing. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it's by grace. And grace is the word. It's a gift. You were saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by works. So none of us can boast. That's the greatest news. That's the gospel. It's so awesome. You're saved by grace. See, this is such good news. And I love this because in the scriptures, it was such good news that people were like, so do we just keep sinning then? 
Because this is awesome. I mean, if I'm saved by grace, in fact, in Romans chapter 6, people were asking Paul, well, if this is that good, should we just keep sinning? Because the more we sin, the more grace we get. Seriously, that's what they thought. And Paul just came up and he goes, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Remember sin? Sin hurts. Sin destroys. Sin is what sucks the life out of you and is hurting all of your relationships. And so why would you want to keep doing that? So he says, no, you died to sin. That's the good news. The good news is you were saved. You guys listen to this. And you were saved, not just are we completely forgiven. Are you completely forgiven? Okay, that was lame. Are you completely forgiven? See, I am. I'm saved by grace. But I am way more than forgiven. I'm actually saved from my sin. See, Jesus came to destroy the sin that keeps messing up our lives. He didn't come just to forgive us. He did, thank you, God. But he didn't just die on the cross. He rose from the grave so that he could live inside of us to give us the power to be free from what's screwing up your lives. You guys got that? So grace saves you, and it's really, really good news. But here's the point. Grace that saves has effect. It has effect. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Total gift. But look at this. And it teaches us the grace of God that we received as a gift that saved us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is the peace I feel like God just wants to reveal to you today. If I've really saved you, I didn't just forgive you. I saved you. I poured my grace on your life. And when you got my grace, you know what my grace does? It teaches you, trains you to say no to all the stuff that isn't of me. And so if you've been saved, there's an effect that takes place. So in that beautiful passage in Ephesians 2, right, it says, for you've been saved by grace. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift from God. See, the verse goes on to say, because we're God's handiwork, or we're his workmanship. See, once he saves you, God goes to work. If you've been saved, he's working now, and it says you were created in Christ Jesus to do good stuff, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so the grace, this is such good news, and this is my hope, is that when I received Christ, he forgave me and he filled me with his spirit. That's the spiritual richness so that I can live a new life. The grace that saves is the grace that also has effect on our life. And that's why in 1 John 1, 5, 6, it says, This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Look at this. Oh, it's not up there. You need this one, I think. Is that up there? 1 John 1, 5, and 6? Maybe not. Okay, so let me do this. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Now listen to this line. So if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't live in the truth. Do you guys, did you hear what he's saying? God is light and in him there's no darkness. So if you claim to have fellowship with God, in other words, when Jesus knocks on the door of your heart and says, hey, here I am, I'd like to come in. When you open up the door and he says, I'm going to come in, and what's he going to do with you? He's going to eat with you, right? He's going to have fellowship with you. 
But what he's saying is if, if you're claiming that you're having fellowship with me, but you're totally living in the darkness, ain't happening. Ain't happening. Soak in that just for a second. You can claim all that you want, but the sweet fellowship that Jesus wants to have with you, making you spiritually rich, actually pouring his love and his peace and his joy and his strength into your being. When you and I decide to do the stuff that's on our cards, Jesus is like, dude, I love you. You are my kid. I, you, you have no idea how much I love you. I, I just can't participate in that. So what you do is you just shut the door, and Jesus is right outside the door. Isn't that cool? <laughs> kind of looking in the window, you know, peering in. How's it going in there? How's that selfish stuff doing? How's that greedy thing doing? That good for your heart? How's that bitterness and that unforgiveness? How's that, how's that helping your relationships? See, what happens is Christ is so there but he just isn't going to participate in that. So in Galatians, you guys, and if I don't know if you've never read the book of Galatians, if you struggle to feel loved by God, read the book of Galatians because that's the book of grace. It is the book that just says, oh my gosh, you guys quit working for this stuff and just receive my grace. But what's wild is at the end of the book in chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says this. In the midst of being a child of God and totally forgiven, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows, and whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction, and whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do you guys know, all you followers of Jesus, all you Christians, do you know, you, you know right, that we can sow to feed the flesh? You all into that? So we do. <clears throat> so we do that. And what he's trying to help us to see here is when you do that, it actually still brings destruction. <laughs> so I, you're my kid, man. I mean, nothing's changing that. I love you. But you need to know when you make bad choices, you make bad choices. And I'm not going to sweep in and, and make you never experience the consequence of those. And so if you keep sowing to your flesh, to your selfish junk, you're going to reap destruction. And followers of Christ reap it a lot. I've reaped it. Repped it? How do you, what, that's, I don't know what that's, you can tell me later how to say that. Anybody reap a little bit of destruction in your life? Even as a follower of Christ. And so, you guys, we just need to be careful. When this flesh, this sinful nature that's inside of us, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's some categories here that the Bible gives us. And whenever it goes through the list to help us to know what some of these issues are, th these are the big ones that always pop up. Sexual stuff always pops up. It's always there. You just need to know, God is just not going to be involved in anything where there's sexual stuff that's going on outside of marriage. He's just not. And that doesn't mean if it's happening between two of you personally or if it means it's happening between you and the computer screen. He's just like, yeah, it's just not a me, man. So that's one. Another one is, another category is divisive stuff. It's this one actually pops up more than the sexual stuff. And that would be stuff like being angry holding bitterness towards another person, not forgiving them, slandering them, talking about them behind their back. Like if that stuff is, and that's, for some reason, church people are really good at that. You guys know that? 
And here's the point. He said, I just got to tell you, if that's what you're involved in, God's like, I'm just not, I don't have a part of that. So if you want victory in your life, but you're constantly judging other people and you think you're better and you're holding critical thoughts towards others and you won't forgive them, we got to take care of that. Another one is, then he just goes into selfish junk. You know, just, he just calls it pure selfish ambition. Greed, intense selfish desire for stuff, not being generous, having envy and jealousy in your hearts. He was, if I, man, if, you, if everything's about you, that's just not me. And we need to take care of that. James 4.17 says, if anyone knows the good they ought to do and they don't do it, that's sin. Like sometimes, I know for me, it's God's literally been saying, would you do this? Not would you stop doing this, but would you do this? Anybody ever feel that? Ever hear that from God? And, and when I know there's something that he wants me to do and I just keep telling him no, that's sin. And what I, I have experienced long periods in my life where I would not do the thing that God was asking me to do. And you know what happens? The, the power, the love, the joy, and the peace get sapped. Anybody, anybody ever experienced that? And all it is, all you have to do is take the one step he's asking you to take. And all of a sudden, it kicks right back in gear. And you guys, really what it comes down to is it's just no real love for God or for others. That's, that's the problem. Now, here's what's great. Can I tell you? He loves you. So here's what's crazy. If you've been around the church for a while, when you hear that word, that verse that I read, when Jesus stands at the door and knocks, right? And if anybody hears me and opens the door, normally we think those are people who don't know Jesus yet, right? And we think, hey, if you don't know Jesus yet, he'll come on and knock on your door of your heart. You know what's crazy? That's true, by the way. But you know what's crazy? Is this passage isn't talking to people who don't know him yet. Jesus is talking to the church. He's talking to you. He's talking to his kids. <laughs> I tell you, man, it's fun parenting, isn't it? You know? And especially as they grow up a little bit more, right? A little, anybody ever experience a little division between you and your children? Um, it's crazy. Because I'm not leaving them. You leaving yours, kids? I'm not going to do it. Can there be ramifications of relationship going on? Uh-huh. Yes, there can. So here we go. Look at this, Revelation 3. This is the passage that leads up to, I'm standing at the door. Jesus says, I know your deeds. <laughs> How does that feel? He knows. He knows everything you're doing. And then he goes, I know that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Sound loving? You say, I'm rich. Isn't that interesting in light of the series? I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You can have all the financial richness in the world. But spiritually, he said, you're, you're, you're shriveling. I counsel you. So God just wants to counsel us today. Because he loves you. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich. And gold, not wealth, financially, spiritual wealth so that you can really be rich. And put white clothes on to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and put salve on your eyes so that you can see. See, God wants to come and he says, man, I want to I give you, I want to take away. You've been blinded. You're totally getting caught up in stuff that doesn't matter. And I want to wipe that away for you. 
And then look at this, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Those I love, I rebuke and discipline. Man, I, I, I had to do that this week with one of my kids. You know, stuff happened and I found out about it and I'm like, that wasn't my kid. I, I said that's exact. My kid wouldn't do that. My kid did that. And, uh, and once I found out, it was just like, you can't do that. Anybody, you know, right? Because you love your kids. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if that's the path you're going down, if you keep going down that path, we're in trouble. Uh, you're in trouble. And I'm going I'm to hate this. See, because I love my child, we had some rebuke go on and some discipline go on. And that's all God's saying to you today. There's stuff in your life. And it's destroying your life. There's stuff in your life, and I can't be a part of it. So you and me, we're not experiencing the intimacy that we could. You and me, the love and the power and the freedom that could be yours ain't happening because I just can't be a part of what you're a part of. You know, you should be changing the world. I redeemed you so I could love the world through you. And right now, the, you're not even denting it. And... and um, that's just not okay. You're, you're going to hate that when you come and hang out with me forever. You're going to wish that you actually lived a life free from yourself. And so God's loving you today. And he's right here at verse 20. So here I am. I'm standing at the door. And I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they will eat with me. You know, you guys, the coolest thing is grace saves. But grace is not without effect. And grace rebukes and disciplines because it loves you. And here's the other thing I love about this passage is grace pursues. If you're stuck in sin, you know what's cool? Is by this passage, Jesus isn't going, hey, I'm right here. And when you want me, come and get me. Right? That is not in that passage. Grace pursues. And I just know, two months ago, I feel like God said, I'd like to pursue my kids. I'd love to knock on the door of their heart. I'd love to let them know I love them too much. I'd love to save them from the destruction that's coming. And that's what he wants to do today. So here's what we're going to do. Is we're going to... Uh, do a, a song to end their service today. And, um, and it just simply comes from Titus chapter 2. It says, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. God, Jesus gave himself to redeem us, to, to buy back, to say, oh, let me rescue that and bring it back so that it can actually live what it was entitled to live for, to do what I did. So he says, man, I gave myself for you to redeem you from what? From all that junk that's on your card, from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, who are eager to do what's good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority, and don't let anyone despise you. So funny. If you despise me today, that's okay. 
Because I'm telling you, I've just told you the greatest news in all the world. That you got a God who wants to love you today. And Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, man, he came to set you free. And if you're not free today, you could be today. You guys remember that, right? Because you know if you confess your sins, he's faithful, man. I will, I will forgive you immediately. I'm knocking all the time. And as soon as you open the door, I'm in. I'm in. And we'll start fellowshipping again. So before Julie sings this song, listen to these words. This is why the Lord says, this is in the Old Testament, turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief. Tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he's merciful and compassionate. He's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent and not to punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve and send you a blessing instead of a curse. The cool thing is that was Old Testament. We don't have to say perhaps, do we? We know. We know he will do a reprieve and give you blessing. And all you got to do is open the door. I put a garbage can down here. And what I wanted you to do while Julie's singing this song is I'd love for you to give you the freedom. I felt like God said, I want people to come down here who are really, really truly ready. And if you need to take some more time and write some more stuff down on your card, just do that. You can do, we're going to worship. You just, you got about 15 minutes here. You just take time and you just chill. But whenever you want, if you feel ready and you feel like God's knocking on your door and you want to let Jesus back in, come down here and throw that crap away. Just throw it away as a sign that you're confessing your sin to God. And you're repenting because you know he loves you so much. You can get on your knees down here. Susan and I are here, man. Others, we'll, we'll pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. If you want us to, we'd do that for you. You just do whatever you need to do. Let's start right now by having a time with God of repentance and receiving the fullness of the richness of the presence of God in our life.